All right, another episode of the Sentinel Spectrum. I don't know, I've had some stuff on my mind concerning my current job situation. Um, It's kind of depressing, really, to have so much potential to know, you know, you know, that you have experience, uh, you have skills, um, you have capability, but when you submit yourself to a employer, you're automatically limiting yourself to their standards, their ideas, their management, their organization, their operations, whatever. You know, most people that I've ever come across, they're so limited by the idea of employment. And, you know, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, I guess, if I didn't, if I wasn't who I was and have the mind that I have and have spent years working for other people. And, um, Yet, you know, I do run into some people sometimes um, that, you know, they work for themselves. They uh, run their own business. Um, you know, they, you know, there's pros and cons of everything. But what I noticed with these subcontractors, contractors, um, or entrepreneurs, um, which they can be both, but anyways, um, people that generally value freedom and don't like to be limited um, to someone else's way of doing things or someone else's um, pay structure or whatever. It's like, you know, they, they, they tend to want to run their own business, even if it means harder work. Which some would think that'd be a contradiction to the idea of freedom. And what I notice is that a lot of folk, they have small minds, not because they don't have the potential to be greater, uh, but because they do it to themselves or someone else had conditioned them, their parents or society or whatever, had conditioned them to believe that uh, getting a job was the thing that everybody does. So there's something to be said, which is why I'm saying it, about those who are good workers, whether it's under a boss or not under a boss, whether it's um, for short a shorter period of time or long periods of time. I mean, heck, people in America, I mean, we're, supposedly we have freedom, you know, and we have a lot more freedom than other countries. Um, however, there's a point where I've noticed the eroding away of liberty, even in my short lifetime. I'm about 40. And, um, just in my time, I've watched how companies that I've worked for over the years 
in which I've worked for a lot, some very big companies with big brand names that, um, you know, they, they, I just notice how they do things. I notice how things have changed. I've been in the workforce, the official workforce for probably, well, over 20 years. Um, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, I'd done things as early as shoot seven, eight, something like that. I mean, you know, I'd done things to earn extra money, you know, shovel, snow, mow grass, things like that. You know, um, something that used to be more common and, you know, there's still kids that do it, whatever. Um, helped roof a house when I was as uh, early as 10, um, you know, I've done some odds and ends and things like that or whatnot. I can't claim to have needed to work. It was just a matter of personal preference to have some extra money to get this or that or whatever. But there were periods of time that I was a kid. I was allowed to be a kid. Play video games, go outside, play out, you know, with, you know, friends and whatever. Play football in the yard, you know, hide and go seek and this and that and the other. And, you know, um... I would say about the time it came for me to desire to begin down the road of independence um, from my parents, you know, you you want a car, you want to be able to afford whatever, you know, mainly car insurance uh, at one time car insurance was not required by law um, look it up if you need to but um, I'm still not really for it I don't think it should be mandatory I think it's uh, it's destroyed or yeah, I think it really is not exactly the healthiest way to ensure safety on the road people would be more safe you know in my opinion if they knew there was more at stake if they just thought, oh, well, my insurance will cover it or this or that or whatever. If they think, oh, well, insurance will cover your medical bills, insurance will cover your, the cost of your vehicle, blah, blah, blah. And plus, vehicles aren't made the way they was used to. Um, the way they was used to made was a lot stronger. Steel and solid. And uh, so anyways, it, it's just one of those things where things have changed in this country. And one of those things mainly um, has been, you know, the ideology that uh, fosters this interdependence on a system that doesn't care if you're free. Doesn't care if you are happy and uh, last time I checked uh, America was supposed to be all about happiness the pursuit of happiness and freedom and liberty and all these things and it's like well how do we define that anymore especially in an era where when you have something arise like COVID-19 uh, where you know it's just like I can understand if something was a, a true emergency, but when you have companies uh, that employ people and 
pay them to do a job that also tell you what your rights are or are not. You know, it's time to, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it, it's way past time to revisit the idea of liberty, the idea of standing for your rights. Now, some people do this. Some people don't. And um, when it comes to labor, when it comes to working and saying that, well, I go to work in order to make money, in order to be able to afford at the least be able to take care of myself. I used to have a family. Uh, I was married, no longer married. And that was my only motivation, pretty much. That was my main motivation was to go to work, come home and be with my family. I went to work for them. I, I couldn't think of much of other reason to go to work. Uh, before that, you know, I, w I didn't have the same motivations. It was a, more of a selfish motivation or... You know, it just, it just didn't seem right to live for me because I'm the, I'm the kind of person that says, well, I'm a family man, so that's what I desire. And, and I kind of grew, grew up in a kind of a dysfunctional family and I saw really how that love and functionality, not the dysfunction, but the functionality that is fostered by good leadership, which I, I can't claim to have been a good leader. Um, I can only claim to say that only because of my faith, my bio, you know, my biblical beliefs, um, you know, that I think it made me a better man. Um, and you know, a lot of people struggle. When money's tight, a lot of people struggle when, you know, uh, when it seems like uh, the family unit gets under attack. You got two parents, and if, and that's just an if, if you have two parents in the same household, um, that both have to go to work in order to uphold a lifestyle that they have chose to uphold. Um, in other words, the term keeping up with the Joneses uh, is something I've heard for many years. And a lot of us have heard that. And it's like, you know, it's the idea of that. It's not just that you need to take care of necessities, but also that you're trying to, um, how should I say, keep up with your neighbors. So some of your decisions as a parent or as a person, whether you're a parent or not, but I mean, when you have, when you live in a certain neighborhood um, and you have certain neighbors and a part of your decision making is uh, that, you know, hey, when you go to buy a vehicle, you know, how do you make that decision? Somewhere in you, there may be a, well, Joe Blow down the street, um, Joe Blow from Kokomo, I don't know, that, uh, you know, he might think me a little more of me if I drive this nice truck. Um, or, you know, if you're single, you know, hey, Sally down there might want to go on a date with me if I get this sports car, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's these cliches and these stereotypes that we have, but, you know, all of us, 
a lot of us understand these things, you know, it's part of human nature. So anyways, you know, having the freedom to be able to make these decisions and having the freedom um, to choose a job, you know, is great. And when, when you have, um, when you have your ambitions for your family, not just for yourself, but for your family, that is affected by the company you work for. And they tell you that in order to keep your job, you must put something in your body you don't want in your body. And let's say you stand your ground and you know you can do other things. And you don't put that something in your body. Or you don't want to adhere to their policies, other policies, and for other reasons. I mean, there's different reasons why people change jobs. And, uh, you know, as far as the labor market goes, I mean, things have changed over the years where it used to be much more common for someone to keep a job longer. Now, that's not the case. It is much more common for people to change jobs, to not stay at a company for so long. Um, I don't think I have to look up labor statistics in order to prove that. I mean, everybody should know that. Everybody should understand that. But in my time, being able to see that, being able to see the changes in our society when it comes to these things that affect our everyday lives, um, you know, it just makes me wonder, like, why some don't fight back more? Because, you know, I, I feel like I'm a part of a very small percentage of people. They call that the 3%. I didn't take no oath um, to be a part of some cult or some organization or whatever these three percenters claim to be. Sons of Liberty, you know, is something that our founding fathers, uh, some of our founding fathers claim to be a part of um, when I guess they're supposedly more known um, back in the, you know, the late 1700s, um, around the time of the formation of the formal declaration of independence, you know, the American revolution, all that stuff. And, you know, it's like, you're talking about people that had the goal, had the nerve, had the balls, the kahunas, um, to do something about something when it was needed to be done. Because people were taking their liberty, using their power, the British, namely, in a, you know, in the formation of our great country, you know, the British would exert their power. And, and for some of us in this time, we think it utterly ludicrous, ridiculous, and, and just unheard of that any foreign power would ever have troops here on our soil to impose um, any kind of rule over us. But yet in the colonies, the American colonies, the first, um, you know, colonies, uh, you know, the, the case was that the, the British uh, under King George, King George III, um, you know, they, they had their view that they was, 
supposedly to rule over us. Um, I'm not quite sure how to process that in my modern frame of mind, my, my perspective. Um, because I mean, again, it's like, well, they followed the founders or the first pilgrims or whatever. I mean, they came over here and, um, obviously not everybody agreed with their rule. And this idea of imperialism, colonization, whatever, you know, to go to a, a, a different place other than your own country um, and establish rule there because you, because of technology or because of power of some type, whether it's wealth or whether it's technology or whatever, you know, that it just seems like an, a thing that it's like, well, not everybody thinks like that. Not everybody desires to rule other people. Um, I've noticed how some people, they, they really do desire to be in power over other people. Some of them become cops. Some of them run for political office. I'm not saying that's always bad, but there's a time where eventually, over time, and put in different circumstances, um, we can see how much of an asshole someone can be. And I don't mean like just being mad or hateful in a certain situation where maybe it's righteous. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about over time and in certain situations we can see clearly. Not, I don't mean even questionable. I mean like clearly see that some people do not care about your freedom. They don't care about your happiness. They don't care if you can feed your family. Now, some of these people are alive today in our society today. And sometimes we can see that um, one bad apple can give a lot of others a bad name. One bad guy can give a whole lot of others a bad name. Uneducated or unwise or unruly people, um, people that really don't stop to think, they may blame an entire group of people. We see this in our country. We see this all over the world where like just maybe a few are giving a bad name to uh, many others. And when you have so many different examples I can come up with right now, it's like a bad doctor. Hey, this bad doctor, you know, you have somebody has a, you know, a bad experience with a doctor and somebody's like, yeah, I had this bad experience with this bad doctor, you know, but, uh, so I don't trust doctors ever again. That's extreme. And, just one small example of what I'm talking about and the fact that when I go to work at a place where I'm merely mainly just trying to get a paycheck and they want to pretty much run my life 
for a very small wage that barely gets me by. I mean, come on. It's, it's really silly to think about it. When you really put it into perspective, it's like, it's not like you're becoming super wealthy from going to some of these companies and working, you know, how many hours? I mean, there's been times that I put in 60 hours and knew very well that it still wasn't that much to be able to really do much with because of the cost of living. And and the craziest part is, is the state I live in, in the Midwest, our cost of living is, is small compared. It's very cheap compared to other states. Um, taxation, you know, as far as the taxes that I pay, I mean, very small compared to other states. Um, the percentage of taxes that I pay is small compared to other states. And I've heard very extreme examples of like, say, I think it was New York. I heard one time it was like pretty much half your paycheck goes to the freaking government uh, before you ever touch it. I don't agree with it. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people that don't agree with that as well. I mean, I don't mind a little bit of taxes, but a whole lot is, is to me, it's almost like slavery. And uh, to me, it's like, I almost look at it like, how dare some of these arrogant people think they're not only going to rule over me, but they're going to take my money to where I'm pretty much a peasant in their supposed kingdom, but this is not a kingdom. This is supposed to be a, a, a democracy a, or a republic, or I don't know if her people say different things, you know, and it, you know, it's like, you know, if, if there's supposed to be something different about America, it sure looks to me like we're getting away from whatever made it great. And, and, you know, and there's a reason why the many people hopped on the Trump train and, was like, hey, make America great again because we desire good. We desire to be able to pursue, to be happy. Um, and I don't really think that people are going to be too happy when they are barely getting by um, and being told that they need to be subject to a rule that is no longer righteous. Should be obvious. And uh, what do you do? I don't know. I would say the Founding Fathers done some extreme things. One example is the Boston Tea Party. A little history lesson, I guess. Um, I was motivated to look this up. And I'll just give you a small take on Wikipedia. Now, how accurate it is, I don't know. I matched it with HistoryChannel.com, uh, or, well, History.com, which is the website of History Channel. Um, which has been around for quite a while. And, I, and I'm just saying it like this. They claim that the, the, the Boston Tea Party was in 1773, and it was primarily a, a, a conflict around the Tea Act of May, May 10th, 1773, that actually allowed a British company to tax the imports or, you know, the they actually sent tea to America, to the American colonies. Um, and they didn't have to pay taxes, but I guess they got to tax the tea. So it was um, the British, uh, what was it? 
the British East India Company. So the Sons of Liberty, um, some of them being uh, John Hancock and uh, Samuel Adams, you know, they strongly oppose the Townsend Act taxes and the stamp. And they were, you know, previous before that, you know, the main issue, I mean, I guess it was a part of escalating this conflict, which actually eventually led to the American Revolution, that the Stamp Act was like a tax on a lot of stuff. I'll just say it like that to keep it simple. You can look it up if you want in your spare time. But, um, so, anyways, this deal um, primarily benefited the British. Um, And it just eventually got to be too much, especially when you had conflicts like the Boston Massacre, which to us today might not sound like that big of a deal because we're so conditioned to hearing about much worse conflicts or things happening, school shootings and, you know, FedEx. I remember somewhere local that there was a major shooting at FedEx or somewhere. I mean, we hear about these crazy things, and yet, you know, this is, I mean, seriously, the Boston Massacre happened in 1770, and um, pretty much it was uh, a fight began after an unruly group of colonists frustrated with the British presence in their streets flung snowballs, ice, and oyster shells um, at a British sentinel guarding the Boston Customs House. So other British soldiers came and just pretty much killed five of them, wounded six of them, and um, this is part of, you know, what escalated the tensions that... uh, that this Boston Tea Party and all that, I mean, it, it just, it, it led to the American Revolution. So you, you're, you're seeing a progression here that you get these conflicts and you get this frustration and this tension and, you know, you know, just eventually it led to war. So, I mean, when you're talking about the Boston Tea Party, you know, you got to think, you know, it was the, it pretty much was a terrorist act, according to some people's definition today which some of the founding fathers didn't even agree on the actions taken to destroy these shipments of tea. So some of the Sons of Liberty wasn't in agreement with, you know, some of the founding fathers, uh, you know, like George Washington or whatever, that you can look this up yourself. Um, actually, the titles of it found are, no, that's not it. Yeah, if you just look up the Boston Tea Party and look it up, I mean, you you can see that our founding fathers, even though they didn't agree on everything, that eventually it led to them unifying because it was, you know, they had a common enemy that uh, some of us uh, today need to correlate, equivocate, parallel some of the people that want to impress high taxes, lockdowns. I mean, does that sound like somebody today? They want to force things that profit others, but strip us of our rights. You know, that, I mean, that sounds like something worth fighting for. So, I mean, anyways, the amount of tea that was dumped was equivalent to today's $1 million. So you got to think, a million dollars worth of tea was destroyed. And uh, 
again, some of the founding fathers like thought that this needed to be paid back and this, you know, this is bad or whatever, but it really pissed the British off. And, uh, it led King George III to enact martial law in Massachusetts and to the rest or to all, I should say, according to history channel or well, history.com was a history channel's website, um, which I remember hearing about this stuff when I was a kid and that, uh, this is what led to the American Revolution. And you got to think, so, you know, some of these founding fathers, and here's another article you can look up, five founding fathers whose finances shaped the American Revolution. That's very interesting. Look it up. In your spare time, I dare anyone that hears this, that listens to this podcast, to look this up. Because you will see something different than a lot of the politicians or even people that you're going to come across in our country, that the idea of paying for and supplying a war is something that we're, we might need again. I don't know. I don't know how things are ever going to happen because you know, really, you know, you got a lot of people that they want, I think they care and they want to do something, but it's just like, it's so easy to just get on social media, post memes and post rants, TikTok, you know, whatever. And, uh, then what, but here's the thing. I've also saw people that have started businesses and they're funding different things um, that would be beneficial to maintaining. I'm not talking about inciting a revolution. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying maintaining liberty. In other words, entrepreneurism is maintaining liberty. You know, instead of just fitting in with the status quo instead of just going and getting a job and keeping a job, you know, because that's, that's one of the main things that, you know, people in my life, I'm talking about family have judged me harshly for not keeping jobs. I'm thinking, well, I just keep getting them. I keep working. I keep trying. Um, so to me, I, I don't really care. It doesn't matter where I work. The, the, you know, I have not been lazy in some sense when it comes to, the fact that I know what I have done and there's times where you got to admit though, some of the hardest working people are the the least paid, you know? So this idea that, well, you got to work hard. I've heard this so much and it just, it irritates me. You know what people say? It, Cause it ain't true. It may be true for you, but it doesn't mean it's true for everybody. When you go to work and you work all these hours and you work hard and you keep a job, you work for one company. Oh, you're such a good servant. But in reality, if you you could have probably took that talent and actually built your own company. And built your own farm, built your own whatever, you know, it, it's just a principle that. When you're going to work and you're using your time, your talent, your treasure, whatever, 
that you're 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 putting your efforts investing into somebody else's company. To me, it's like it can only yield so much. And when these people have so much control over our lives, why would you want to continue with that? You know, I, I, one thing it really is a demotivator demotivator for me. Not that you know, not that I, I'm trying to make this about me, but. I'll just use myself as an example is that, dude, I can be one gung-ho son of a gun when I'm motivated, when I'm encouraged, when, you know, I have some type of a vision of what I'm trying to accomplish, when I have goals, you know, when I've got the energy, you know, I'm getting a little older, so it may, may not be quite the same, but even then it's still, it's like, I have my good days and I have my bad days. I've had some health issues. I'm trying to deal with that. Not that some people just didn't care and they may not have known what was going on with me, um, you know, last two or three years or whatnot. I mean, I, you know, when your health fails and sometimes you don't know why and you, it's not like, oh, you know, if was I abusing alcohol or drugs or this or that? I'm like, no, I wasn't. And have I tried to take care of myself and keep myself healthy? And all? Yeah, yeah, I have. And, um, there's a point where, you know, there's, it's not clear. I didn't get an explanation from a doctor. I didn't get an explanation from anybody. It wasn't clear what happened. You know, I had some heart issues or whatnot. I don't know. Maybe, you know, there's a few theories I have of what happened. Um, not trying to go into great detail about that. I'm just saying that when your health fails you, it affects your work. It affects your ability to provide for your family. And when you've got people trying to mandate something, you probably know what I'm talking about. Something putting putting something in your body that many, you know, many report that can cause heart failure or um, stroke or blood clots or this or that or that, you know, neurological problems or whatever. I've already talked about it on other episodes and you probably understand that it's like, you know, it's just a double threat. You know, that you don't, you don't take and put something in your body that you may think is going to threaten your ability to provide for your family. Not only that, but you don't, why would you want to work for a company Unless you absolutely have to, why would you want to work for a company that wants to pretty much strip you of your rights and tell you that, and, and you know, they don't say it, but they, they say it in some way, you know, companies that have big names, you know, yeah, I mean, they, they have big names or big companies or all over the world, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it, you know, it's like they assume so much power over your life. And it is anti-American to put up with someone trying to rule over you in an unjust, unrighteous manner. There are many people that would agree with me on that. Many. I believe it. I believe it. 
wholly, entirely. That there are people that understand what I'm saying. And with or without my voice, they, I mean, with, with or without my podcast, with or without hearing anything I got to say. I mean, in other words, look, there's people that on their own, that they stand against tyranny. So you don't need me to lead you. You don't need me or other people. Sometimes, I mean, it is simply a matter is it's, I think it's human nature really to desire a righteous life. You know, like I believe our creator puts it in us. For one, he gives us choice, but he, when he gives commands, it's like you got a choice to obey or disobey. And Yet, did he command everything to be? I mean, in other words, it's like saying, we'll just use the Ten Commandments, for example. Why would you need a set of instructions? Like the Ten Commandments, for example. Why would you need a set of written instructions If there wasn't specific things that you would need to pay attention to, thou shalt not steal. Why would you need to be told that? Unless there was a problem caused by someone stealing from someone else. Why would you need to be told, thou shalt not commit adultery? For one, people don't define it correctly anyways these days. There are a lot of people who are adulterers and adulteresses, friends of the world and enemies of God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he can grant us repentance, whatever. But the idea of giving instructions and commands doesn't take away from the idea of liberty. Because liberty in itself is not without boundaries. You know, when you have children, you understand that it's like as they get older, their their territory, their boundaries expand. Okay, so, you know, they can go from a crib, they can go from a playpen, they can go in the rest of the house, and they can go from that to the backyard, fenced in backyard, then go from that to going down a little Johnny's, uh, you know, the neighbors, you know, and playing to then eventually getting their own car and going out and driving around and all that. And of course, to me, I mean, there's a point where I almost question the 16 year old, you know, age requirement, you know, some, you know, I've heard in other countries it's 18, which, uh, you know, maybe that's a good idea. But anyways, uh, it's just one of them things that, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a parent, you know, you understand that as a child grows and learns responsibility, their territory also expands. And as a supposed self-governing nation that we was originally, you know, by the founding fathers, I mean, they wrote about this idea of self-governance that, um, you know, it's an idea of liberty that some 
don't understand. So when I, when I go to work, I do it because I believe I'm a free man to be able to choose to go to work. And, um, what I find is, is that sometimes when you submit to certain companies, I mean, they just assume complete power over you while you're there and on the clock. I mean, they almost make it seem like, well, you're, you're clocked in. And even though your position, your title, your, your job description says this, you know, if we want you to do something else, that's what you just need to do, or you're just going to be that guy that eventually gets phased out gets fired, whatever, you know, being uncompliant is a good thing. Sometimes I don't like being that guy. I mean, I honestly don't like being center of attention. I really don't. And I hate having to tell somebody, look, I don't prefer to do something or for my rights to be impressed upon, like wearing the mask thing. I think it's a good example. Um, is that, you know, I didn't prefer to wear a mask at any time. At no time during this pandemic, supposed pandemic, at no time did I want to wear a mask. I didn't give two, you know, I didn't give two squats. <laughs> trying to try to keep my language down. Uh, I didn't care because I was I didn't feel that threatened by this virus, you know, or whatever, you know. I I, did, I mean I I didn't think it was that big of a deal, you know, in order to have to wear a mask while I'm working. And and it's crazy because when you give people freedom, they end up choosing. Like, you know, if you want to wear a mask, you, then go wear a friggin' mask. Uh, if you want to go get a shot, you think it's going to help your immune system? Go do that. But why do I have to be mandated and told what to do? I'm not a freaking child. It's really what I've been trying to come to in this. You've got grown people being treated like children. And that's what the global government thinks of you. They think very low of you. And people that profit from you, they think you're stupid. Of course, I think a lot of people are kind of not so bright um, when they allow these companies and the government. um, When I say the government, I don't mean the righteous aspect of it because I do believe in government. Um, But it just doesn't make sense to sit back and just to be brainwashed and to not understand why America is supposed to be different from other countries. There's no way. I don't, I don't believe that there's any way that we can maintain what supposed liberties that we, we have at the moment, what, what decent life we still have right now. I don't believe that that's going to continue if we don't educate ourselves and make some hard decisions. I've had to make some hard decisions I had to make a really hard decision to put my foot down, you know, when it came to my ex-wife. Not to get too personal, trying not to, but I use it as an example, I guess, because some people may not know. I'm going to tell you plainly. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I know that I had flaws. But when it comes to, you know, domestic violence, some people are not aware of the details of what goes on. Um in a family, in a home, because if you're only going to go by um, the propaganda 
of a cheating spouse, then yeah, obviously their viewpoint, their perspective, the yeah, is going to be skewed. It's going to be warped. It's going to be twisted because people will find a way to justify their wickedness. People will always find a way to justify what they think is right in their own eyes. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to justify sin. I'm really not. I'm not perfect. I made some mistakes. Um, I'd never cheated on my spouse, ex-spouse, whatever. Um, however, she wanted to think that I did. Um, because it wasn't so much that I did it physically, but it was like, you know, if you even looked at another lady to desire her, to say she's attractive, oh man, I'm cheating on you, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, that high standard of it's my way or the highway kind of thing when it comes to the woman. I mean, I'm not really not into that. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to go into that either. But as a man, you know, I mean, I actually don't think it matters if you're a man or a woman. I think it, what, what really matters is that when you're in an agreement, supposedly, when you're supposed to be in an agreement of what marriage is, when you, when you, you know, we supposedly were Christians, um, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to judge her harshly or anything, but I use it as an example to say that if you're breaking the law, if you're doing something bad, then yeah, it's good to have police. Good to have government. We need a military um, that is able to fight wars. And um, domestic violence in the home as a, on a personal level, I try to equate things and par- make parallels and stuff if you haven't noticed. You know that... You know, when someone's in the wrong, sometimes they like to justify themselves. And they don't like opposition. What I notice with a lot of people is that, you know, they want to blame the police. They want to blame the military. Um, You know, some people get weird and they, you know, it's like they want to blame everybody but themselves. For why? Um... that you have problems in your life or, you know, it's like, why can't you start a business? If you don't like your job, go start a business. If you don't like your spouse, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, divorce is a good thing because I've been through it. So obviously I'm not, I'm not really for the easy divorce. You know, I think there's a time for it, but you know, you know, marriage should be valued and sacred to the point where you don't just easily just want to trade in your spouse because they have a health problem and they can't provide you with the cushy lifestyle that you want at the moment. See, in my case, because of my health issue and because of my desire to rest and heal, um, I wasn't working as much and it just was bad timing because, you know, my ex-spouse was trying to, you know, start her career and all this, blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to go into too many details, but, you know, it, it is a good example of the fact that a lot of people, you know, they want what they want and they want it now. And when it comes to blaming other people for your problems, it's, I can't really blame anybody else for how my life has turned out. Yeah, there's been some outside forces. Yeah, I was stabbed in the back. I was betrayed by a supposed friend and my ex, whatever. And I mention these things, um, you know, because I'm not really, 
I don't know, it's like I'm not known, so it really doesn't matter. And I haven't mentioned any names, so it is what it is. Now, they wanted to defame me, but I'm not doing it to them. I don't feel a need to mention names. And I don't feel a need to give too many details because I feel like I'm being I'm being the better person by just using it as an example that I've lived through some things where even though I tried to do what was right for my family, I wasn't rewarded for it. I was punished, really, because of someone else's lack of godliness, lack of commitment, lack of loyalty. And, you know, for to use that as a parallel, you know, you've got people that they will commit to a job, like a nurse, for example. Thank God for them. It's a good thing to have a nurse that is able to minister to someone's needs when they have health issues. Um, that's a good thing. Hospice care was started by Christians, and yet some of them do it just for the money. And because, you know, it's normal to be nurturing. A, I'm not saying just women or nurses, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just saying in general. That's an example of how that some people will do stuff for money. Some people will only do certain things for money. They got the liberty to do that, right? And yet, would you do it? Would you do your job if you wasn't paid so much or if you wasn't paid at all? And, uh, The liberty to be able to labor is a good thing. But guess what? No matter how hard working you think you are, if your health fails, it's going to have an effect on your family. If you take a something in your body that somebody else mandates that you got to take it, but yet they didn't do their due diligence to make sure it was uh, harmless, and you know, and you take it and you put it in your, and your health is affected then. Or let's say you, you don't take it because you believe you have the freedom to choose and your job's affected by it. Are you really free? Just a question. I generally like freedom. I like boundaries sometimes, but I don't like limitations that actually restricts my ability to live. And uh, I believe a lot of other people understand that it's like, you know, liberty isn't, you know, you got people, well, how should I say? In other words, you got people that will define liberty differently. I don't think it, I don't think it is something that liberals or Democrats um, make it out to be. Because it's obvious a lot of them don't believe the same way that others do about this whole idea of freedom and, you know, the fact that you should be able to make some choices on your own, that uh, the government shouldn't be your holding your hand, you know, about everything, you know, and being able to pretty much just dictate and rule your life. There's, you know, there's supposed to be a difference in America. A lot of people understand that supposedly. But why is it? It can get so bad to where we're told 
certain information on the news, and we believe it. And as a precaution, a lot of us stayed in the house. A lot of us were on lockdown. A lot of us, uh, you know, thought, oh, man, you know, I'm taking a big risk here by going out into the public and going to work and all this stuff and all that. You know, I mean, yeah, I understand how that some people maybe were neutral or even on my, you know, to see things the way I did. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to knock you if you just didn't know. You didn't know. But from the very beginning, and I'm not trying to overdo this, because again, I'm not trying to claim to have some secret knowledge or something. Um, I just believe the Lord can, you know, our creator can put things in people, um, whether he directly tells you or he just puts it in you. Just like I was saying about the Ten Commandments. I mean, you know, he did mention something about the fact that he can put it into people's hearts so that, you know, it's like you just have it in you to desire to try, at least attempt to do right and to understand his commands. So if it's in you, it's different from it being on the outside of you, just somebody barking at you and giving you commands on the outside. It's like, if it's in you, it's a different thing. It's like your conscience is affected by having something in you. So if hatred of the wrong kind overwhelms you, and you don't put it in check with truth and with, I would say, righteous ideas, um, you know, it can get out of hand and to the point where you might want to hurt somebody. Um, and I'm not talking about self-defense. And yet you've got people that want to say that it's a hate crime just to merely speak certain things against some of their alternative lifestyles. And I'm just like, man, come on. To criminalize truth, to criminalize and to punish freedom, or to say that if you don't comply with certain mandates, then we'll punish you. Then, you know, that shows you there are people out there that mean business. They, they're very serious about their profit from your energy, your time, your soul, your body, your labor. Your freedom comes with a cost. It either A, is funding someone else's missions, it's funding someone else's empire, it's funding someone else's government, it's funding someone else's efforts, uh, or, or, you know, it's like when you've got somebody feeding off of you that you no longer want feeding off of you, you know, in other words, the unrighteous government is like a parasite, a giant parasite. And I can't really claim to have a solution. I can't really claim to know what the Almighty would have me as an individual to do other than just try to do right, 
to try to live a decent life, um, voice truth. Um, other than that, you're not going to be finding me doing a bunch of extreme crazy things. And I know that some of the ways that I talk, you know, it, it has put a target on me over the years because I've been quite extreme in voicing these things, but yet I, I've tried to become wiser. I've tried to grow. I've tried to learn and try to understand how to explain things without sounding like I'm just utterly infuriated and willing to do bad stuff because of this frustration that I've allowed to boil over. I mean, being passionate about politics, you know, is something that I think can be a good thing. I think it can also be a bad thing. Being passionate about your religion, being passionate about your family, being passionate, you know, is a good thing. It can be a good thing. But it can also be a bad thing. And uh, in one of my previous episodes, uh, I talked about extremism. And yet, you make the choice. You make a choice every single day how you maintain your energy, how you maintain your passions, what you care about, what you don't care about. It's like you have a choice. And just like the, 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 the guys that protested the, the um, Tea Act of 1773, you know, the Boston Tea thing, um, you know, I'm not saying it has to be that extreme. And that's the whole point is that today these, these people would be looked at as terrorists. And yet, I, I mean, things wouldn't have to get so extreme if people would make choices now, smaller decisions, smaller stands of, of uncompliance, you know, the, the extreme things wouldn't even be necessary if we wouldn't allow so much to happen before we get motivated. So, I mean, those are small examples, you know. It's like the bully, you know, that you don't deal with, you know, when your kid comes home and says that, oh, this person's bothering me every day, blah, blah, blah. And if you let it go on too long, you know, there's a couple things that could happen. I personally have always told my family, my daughter, my nephews, whatever, that there's a point where I expect you to defend yourself. That if at all possible, yeah, you know, try to just not react. But if you have to, punch them in the throat. <laughs> I mean... I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not sure that's the most righteous thing to tell them, but there's got to be a point where if you got a bully that continues to jack with you, you eventually do something. And I don't mean something too extreme, but something that's enough to let them know if you want a problem, I can cause you a problem. 
And there was a time where I remember where I could duke it out with somebody and then be, you know, sometimes be friends afterwards. I've actually had it happen. But when we live in a time where we have to be concerned about, you know, if you get in a fight with somebody, they could stab you, shoot you, whatever, this, that, and the other. I mean, heck, you could be minding your own business. Somebody can try to rob you and they might kill you just because they don't want to leave a witness or because they don't, they, in the moment, they don't know what else to do and they don't value your life or whatever. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong proponent of self-defense, Second Amendment, you know, um, I don't really understand this ideology that the people that they think they're just going to go out in public and no one's going to bother you ever makes no sense at all. There's no guarantee that's that some that you know that nobody's going to bother you. There's no guarantee. You have the liberty supposedly in this country supposedly, not according to some people, liberals, Democrats, dumb judges that can't. I mean, they just don't understand righteous judgment when it comes to simple matters. And yet they're in that seat for some reason. And I, I just don't think it's a good reason. I don't, I don't understand how we get to a place where we got judges, you know, that can't process simple ideas. Simple self-defense is a, just an example. It's like trying to persecute, prosecute. Trying, trying to make it seem like, you know, someone should go to jail because they defended themselves? That makes no sense at all. It really doesn't. And yet, again, someone like myself, just merely speaking the way I'm speaking, sometimes I'm labeled as an extremist or a terrorist because I simply am just talking about the Founding Fathers and the things they've done. 